This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! of the rest. Glad you're with us. And today we're going to be talking about C2E2 and our experiences with that and with our trip to Wisconsin. Yeah, and probably some other little tidbits to go in there. Oh yes, no doubt. Uh, so, last year, well, we had that uh, bonsai drive up to Wisconsin, spent two or three hours bonsai drive back, which was a very tiring in itself. So this year we decided to leave a day early. Right. Well, no, there's more to it than that. We've got yeah. to tell the full story. Okay. When Pam and I were up there in October for Ronnie's wedding, and we stayed with you guys for a couple of days, our wives concocted this scheme whereby Pam and I would fly up to St. Louis, and then you and I would drive on from there. Specifically because your wife said she didn't want you driving to Chicago in February by yourself. Nah, what could go wrong? Nah, no. So that was what we did. We flew up Tuesday, Pam and I. Then you and I got up Wednesday morning to drive to Calabunga. We had thought about doing it on Thursday, but then we realized we wouldn't have enough time. So. Well, you got to remember, we, that was the whole plan until we figured out that they would not mail our badges to us, and then we had to do will call. That is true. Plus, needing to get into the Airbnb. Yep. Just didn't make sense to try to cram it all into one day. We decided to go on Wednesday. About two or three days, or earlier that weekend, the weekend before, they started making all kinds of noise about this huge snowstorm that was coming in to the Chicago <laughs> area. It's supposed to be the heaviest snow of the season. They were expecting 8 to 10 inches of accumulation. And we were both like, son of a... That's Chicago in February. Yes. And the cold doesn't bother me. I could, I didn't matter how cold it is. I can get past that. But trying to travel or get around in snowy or icy weather is always a challenge. But anyway, so we got up there Tuesday night. And we had planned on leaving fairly early, but not as early as we ended up doing. Because I woke up at 4.30 Wednesday morning could not go back to sleep. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was already thinking it was Friday night, like... Tuesday night, several comments. That's true. So I got up about 4.30, you know, showered, got ready, got packed, sitting in your living room waiting for you, and you got up around 5.30, I think, got ready. And so we ended up being on the road at 6.15, heading to Wisconsin. Which is only, what, six hours away? Yes, when there's no snow. (laughs) And it... It turned out to be judicious that we did leave that early because, yeah, the weather, at least for the first third of the trip or so, was challenging. I don't know about challenging. I had no problems with it. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm just we're just sitting there driving along. I look over and I see cars coming off the road into the ditch, and we come upon cars that are in the ditch, and I'm like looking at the road, going. You know, I'm not sliding around or anything. We're just kind of taking it easy and going straight. And 
not doing anything stupid. So I was starting to get concerned because I'm seeing all these wrecks and these cars. And I mean, we actively saw, I don't know, I think I actively saw three different cars either in front of us or to the other, coming the other direction, go off the road into the ditch. And I'm just sitting there wondering, it's like, are the roads badder than I think they are? Because they don't really seem that bad to me, but who knows? IDOT did not do a good job on the roads between St. Louis and Bloomington. No. Actually, Springfield. Springfield. After, you know, Springfield, we got through there. Springfield was kind of okay to Bloomington's, and Bloomington's where it all opened up. Yeah. Well, it had it snowed, I don't know, one to two inches in St. Louis the night before, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Something along that. Not too terrible, but enough to where it was affecting a little bit. And, yeah, people were just not paying attention. I think. I I don't know. I could not figure it out. It, the road was not that bad. Well, it wasn't, but... Or is it that syndrome, and I'm in an SUV. I can, drive, I can drive on ice because I'm in an SUV. That's probably part of it. <laughs> and I know we saw one... Well, we saw one tractor trailer that was in the median, had gone off into the median. We saw another that was on the shoulder... Tilted at about a 40-degree angle. I don't know how he didn't end up on his side. Yeah, that was interesting. But, yeah, it was odd. But, like you said, the further north we got, the better the weather got. We ran out from under the snow. The roads went from, you know, snow-covered, wet, to just wet, to finally started drying out as we got further north into Illinois. Yeah, let's just say Wisconsin had less winter weather than the rest of our trip. So, so that was fine. I think, you know, I don't think we lost that much time. I think it took us maybe a total of, we left at six. I don't know. It still took us six hours, seven hours to get there. So not too far off schedule. Yeah, it was about seven hours because I think it was one, about 115 to 130 when we pulled up to the hotel where we stayed. They're on the west side of. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yep, yep. And then it was like, un- unpack and begin our, what would be our most digging for the weekend. Because then we went to Cowabunga because, I don't know, I find uh, the prices at C2E2 from the individual booths to be kind of almost, I don't want to say cost prohibitive, but it's kind of hard um, to sit there and buy something when you're like, pick out something and they got to sit there and go on the internet and look up what the price is and then tell you the price for what's going on eBay. I'm like, eh, what's the point? Yeah, I tend to agree. And it gets a little crowded and the vendor is trying to pay attention to several people at once. So you try to get their attention. They're not too terribly interested in making you a deal. Like, so if you found 10 or 12, they're not going to cut you a discount. But, you know, really. So, man, just trying to get through the boxes with the crowds. They gotta pay. For, they gotta pay for the table. Well, that's true. I understand. For the booth. I understand <laughs> that. The other thing that they're notorious for is trying to cram as many comics into a long box as they can. So, you can't flip through them. You have to pull the comics up and out in order to see what they've got because there's no room to just flip from one to the next. So. Yep, yep, yep. So anyway, after our harrowing, you know, journey to Wisconsin, we finally make it to, 
Oh, what's the name of the town? I can't even pronounce the town. Oconomowoc. There you go. Because there's an Oconomowoc Lake, an Oconomowoc River, Oconomowoc Trail. I think there's a few other things, too. Right. So, anyway, we get to there, and then it's diving into the dollar bins. Which, I don't know, they had about... How many dollar bins did you think they had? I'm guessing it was... I don't know, a good 40 lawn boxes. Nah, more than that. Okay, okay, maybe 60? Okay, I'll take 60. All right. <laughs> so, and so, I guess that was the thing. So we got there, we're diving into the, you know, we get the, I, you know, I love their store layout because they got a little bit of everything there. They got old D&D and modules and books. They got magazines. I think I saw records. Uh, then they got the dollar stuff. I mean, they got the magic. They got the Yu-Gi-Oh. They they got all that. I, I even saw the small pewter figures for uh, the D&D campaigns from back in the day. Or I guess they still make those. So maybe it was newish ones or whatever. But anyway, so they got all that, and you know, they're kind of. I like how they got the place organized. You know, you've got your dollar books, then you've got your just routine back order stuff. Then they've got it pulled out. It's like here's five dollar books, here's ten dollar books, here's shrink wrap sets or runs, or whatever you want to call it. So then there's magazines, and you've got, I think I saw some uh, Transformer stuff and everything, so a little bit of everything there, but immediately we go to the dollar boxes, and what do we do for the first hour? All I do is find stuff for you. And, of course, now they made us a deal on that. They said all the dollar bins, three for one. So you can get three books for a dollar. Yep. But of course, there's a bunch of stuff in there. It's like, yeah, I might consider it a 10, 10 for a dollar, but <laughs> I mean, they put some stuff back out in the 80s and the 90s that are just like, ugh. Right. And of course, these boxes are in absolutely no order at all. Well, no order, but about every three third of a box or half of a box, I'd always find some like. 10 to 15 copies of uh, Omega Man, one of the Omega Man first 10 issues all in a row there. Except for issue 3. There's no issue 3s to be found. Right. <laughs> so they must have found, a, there must have been a warehouse finding some of Omega Man from back in the 80s. <laughs> yes, because we found those in number, numerous boxes. But Yes, we started finding things, and you, specifically what you started coming across were uh, issues of Batman Legends of the Dark Knight that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, you've just really recently started getting that series, right? Well, oh, yeah, about a year ago. I haven't been too rigorous about trying to find them, just sort of as they come along. So I've got about the first, most of the first 90 or so, but there's 220 issues in that run. So past about yeah. 80, I don't have much. Yeah, it's a, it's a long run, that's for sure. Right. Well, not as long as a detective or a Batman itself. Well... <laughs> No, of course not. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, you kept coming across issues of that, and I'm like, no, I don't have it. No, I don't have it. No, I don't have it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I can't find anything for myself. But I eventually did. I eventually did. I found some acc- valiant acclaimed stuff that I needed, and I'm trying to think of what else. And some Omega Men. I did pick up some of the Omega Men because they had some earlier appearances of Lobo. Actually, I got that stuff right in front of me right now. I'm trying to... So I did do that. Uh, uh, some more Valiant stuff. 
couple of random Superman stuff that I thought was interesting. Ooh, yeah. I did find four or five issues of Strangers in Paradise from Abstract Studios. Yes. Uh, oh, I did find a uh, Alex Ross early works from Terminator the Burning Earth from Now Comics. So that was Alex Ross's uh, first published work, issues one and two of that. Found some Marvel Tales with some McFarlane and Zek covers. And that's pretty much it, a bunch of random stuff. I wasn't really going for sets. My my sets I set out to accomplish on this trip to C2E2 was uh, that the first Frank Miller Daredevil run. I like three issues of finishing that off. I found one issue of that. Uh, the original Marvel Star Wars series from the 70s, started in 77. Yeah, probably like about 20 issues of that. And what was the other one? I was really going after the Marvel Tales. Oh, New Mutants. I'm trying to finish a New Mutants run. And I'm always looking for that one issue of Poison Elves I can't find. I still like one issue of Poison Elves. Now, I can't even find it on eBay. Interesting. But again, but again, Poison Elves is an acquired taste. It is. So. But, yeah, in addition to the Legends of the Dark Knight stuff, I found almost an entire run of DC Who's Who. Oh, yeah, you'd never seen that before. I had I never seen uh, Somehow that escaped me. I never even knew that existed. And I found, uh, I think there was 26 issues in the run, and I found 20, 21 of them. Oh, I thought you only there was only like three issues you liked getting. Maybe so. I'd have to go back and look. What? Have you not already got them all bagged and reboarded and filed away? No. And into the good. database? No. They're... Well, I may have them in the database. Let me look. <laughs> but, so I found those, and then a few other miscellaneous things. But, all told, we spent, well, we got there at 2.30. The shop closes at 7. So, yeah, all that, from 2.30 to 7. It was just us going to the shop. Oh, yeah, digging and such. Oh, I did also get uh, one of my <clears throat> old uh, AD&D books from back in the day. I loaned somebody back in, like, 1990 or something, my uh, Unearthed Arcana. He never returned it, so they had a they had acquired a collection of Dungeons & Dragons stuff, so I reacquired that book. So I'm happy to have that back in my set. Nice. I'm trying to think of what it's Oh, yeah, I got a... They had a Garth Ennis signing there several years ago, and they still had some of the stuff, so I did get a copy of the Dreaming Eagles hardcover signed by Garth Ennis from Aftershock. So I was quite happy with that. I meant to get some Garth Ennis stuff when I was there last year, and I didn't do it. So I actually remembered this year. Actually, we had to go back and get that because I forgot about it. Yeah, because I also forgot about that Ultimate Warrior uh, workout comic from Valiant back in the day, one of the first Valiants out, so... And it's kind of hard to find with that pink cover and the Ultimate Warrior on the cover. So, again, quite happy with that. Little edging ever more closely to getting the complete, complete Valiant collection done. I still like the Nintendo and the wrestling comics. Nice. But yeah, so four and a half, five hours of digging through long boxes and going through the sets and everything else. So. Ooh, yeah, and I also found Ronnie a bunch of uh, tales of the Teen Titans and Teen Titans stuff that he's been. Well, I don't know if he's been looking for, but he's <clears throat> that's one of his things, so Right. He was I I was we were texting people going, Hey, I'm finding this, you want it? Hey, I'm finding this, you want it? So <laughs> Good times. I had more fun going digging through comics there than I did at the con. But to answer your question, no, I haven't got it all rebagged and boarded because I haven't gotten it yet. 
because they're shipping it to me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because unlike you, I didn't take my box with me. So, no, that's all yet to come. Oh, but it's in the database, right? Not yet, no. I don't put anything into the database until it gets in my hand. Oh, it could get there. You know it's on its way. You know it's coming. I don't trust it until it's here. Oh, you don't trust the U.S. Postal Service? I do, but only in New Jersey where Aaron works. Uh, I was about to say, don't we have an insider in there that can tell you how it really rolls? Exactly. <laughs> uh, no. Anyway, we get out of there when checkout, closed the shop down, and then Eric showed up for a while, but then went home to spend some time with his family. James was there all afternoon, as well as a couple of other people that work with him. But after the shop closed out at 7, we went down the block to this little pub, and I don't remember the name of it. Twisted Fire. Twisted Fire. I had to think about it. So we met Eric, James, and his wife there. Sat there and had... Cheese curds! Yeah, cheese curds, flatbread, beer for a couple hours, and talked shop. Yep, yep. Which was a lot of fun. I like talking shop, but, you know, getting the behind-the-scenes stuff of, you know, how comic shops work. What you gotta look at, how you gotta think about things. So, um, and I guess just to mention, they have the, the 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 Cowcast podcast. Yes. And I was never, I've never been a big fan of all the variant covers and everything like that. But they've kind of changed my mind from their last Cowcast about how shops deal with the figure, how the way they use variants and how variants help them makes actual business sense for me. So I've right. kind of gotten off my soapbox on too many variants out there. Yeah, I am to a, to a degree as well. So if you want to hear that discussion, go listen to the Cowcast. I think they're doing it about once a month now. Something like that. They're trying to. They have so much free time because they run the shop and they both have full-time jobs. Yes. Which is, which is, does that mean you just can't make a living off running a comic shop? Um, I don't know. Some people do. Jeremy, the man that runs my LCS, does. Now... I guess you have to define what it means to make a living, because I have no idea how much he's making, but <laughs> it's difficult. Nobody gets rich, I don't think, making working a comic shop. But anyway, so well, yeah, we went there and had cheese curds in Wisconsin. Go figure. Yeah, and I will say, those cheese curds were huge. I don't think I've ever seen cheese curds that large before. No, I've never. Cheese curds is the size of tennis balls are pretty rare, I believe. <laughs> but not, not pretty good. So then... That was that. Then we took our spoils of hunting back to the hotel and settled in, settled into the night for a from the long drive and the digging. Right. Which is a lot better than last year, getting back to Chicago about one or two o'clock in the morning. Oh yes. Oh god. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> miserable last year. So, but we get up Thursday morning, but we're pretty early, and we don't have to be to Chicago too soon because. Number one, the will call window doesn't open until 1 o'clock. We can't get into the Airbnb before 3 o'clock without paying an additional $40 fee. So we're just kind of leisurely going around. But we had noticed there was a half-price bookstore right next to the hotel. And you know what they got at whole-price book or half-price bookstores? More comics. Yes, we did. We found more comics. And we actually bought some things. I found most of the run of Batman Dark Victory there yep and then i and i found what did i find i found a dang can't find it i don't even know where i put that stuff so 
the back in the early '90s when they were doing I don't know when he did the Walmart bag sets and things like that. Uh, those were the second and third and the fourth and the fifth prints. And I don't know back in the day you didn't really I didn't really care for those, but apparently now those are hot collector items to get the. Uh, I don't know, the, the old print or the second and third print. Because I guess he had a lower distri- distribution run, and then they had uh, uh, newsstand versions, <laughs> like our Batman 457. Right. But one of the things when they were doing in the 90s, they were doing like the DC Universe logo down there instead of having a um, UPC code or something like that. They just put DC Universe, and you always, you always see those. You know, they're like a second, third, fourth, fifth print. On. It depends on how popular the book was at the time. The more popular the book, the higher the print, the the, the um, reprint was. So there was a sealed box of those from a Batman run of the was it Troika? Was that it? It's the one where he he went to the all black suit. Yeah, that was Troika. Troika. So it had that whole series in there, and they're all the DC logo variants. So I'm like, woo, score. Now whether or not they're rare or not, I don't know, but I collect those. Right. So there was that, and I think I found another... Crap, I found two or three things. Oh, I found an Akira, and I found uh, another all, uh, Valiant Mario Brothers Nintendo set. They had a Cheezosaurus Rex there, but they wanted too much money for it, and it was beat up. But you hardly, I've never seen a Cheezosaurus Rex in the wild. <laughs> no, <laughs> but... It was something else we thought, because we sent a, we took a snapshot of it and put it out on the Discord, because we thought somebody else might be interested, but they weren't. So. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot, because they're headquartered down here in Dallas, so there's about, and you're right, it varies. Some of them have a pretty good selection of things, and others are not so much, and just, and of course, it hit and miss any day, any particular day that you go in, they may have something, and then they may not. Yeah, but the thing about half price books now is now they know about. It used to be back in the day you could get good deals there. Now they kind of have somebody go through the comic and they pull out stuff, and no matter the shape it's in, they price it like either the 9.0 or the 9.44 price, even though if it is beat to crap. Right. So sometimes there might be some occasional little gem or nugget slip through, but not not as much anymore. Because there's money to be made. Anyway, we leave the half-price books, and we go back to Economawak, because we <laughs> decided to give one of the bottles, well, the bottle of gin, the Pinkney Bin Navy Gin, and the Gin and Tonic Mix, we decided to give that to James, because we had discovered the night before talking to James, he's a big gin drinker. Yeah, plus we knew through some earlier messages that we wouldn't be drinking as much gin and Chicago as we thought we was going to be. Right. Ah. Plus, it always helps to, you know, try to suck up to your comic suppliers. You know, we can do a lot of online business with them, mail order. Hey, so. it's, it's not quid pro quo. It's not, but, you know, can't hurt. Can't hurt. <laughs> so, yeah, we drove back. Well, we, didn't, we got there before the shop opened, so we had breakfast in the lovely George Webb establishment. Hey, I like the George Webb. It's like a, it's like a Waffle House. It <laughs> yeah, it's Wisconsin's version of the Waffle House. It was a nice place, nice place, but 
So we leave there, drop off the gin, and then we head to Chicago. Yeah, so we've had comics, gin, cheese curds, flatbread, whatever. It's 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 been a vacation so far. Yes. And now it's sunny, so you got we got we got to set up. Now we've got blue skies and it's sunny the next day. So still cold. It was like 18 degrees that morning on Thursday morning when we woke up. But yeah. at least yeah, what's out. cold? What's cold? I agree. <laughs> and we ended up timing it very well because we missed a lot of traffic coming through Chicago. Yep. We got there. We got into town probably oh one thirty ish somewhere between one thirty and two. Yep, yep. And then it's trying to find parking. <laughs> yeah, because we went straight to the McCormick place to get our will our badges from Will Call. And yeah, we we're gonna park in the. You thought about well, we can just park in the Hyatt parking garage, which is connected with the McCormick Center. But no, the parking was $21 for the first hour. So we ended up driving around and finding street parking, which was pretty lucky because there's not a lot of it available around there. And we were probably half a mile from the McCormick Center. So we parked, go out and make our way through, get to the will call. Well, we stopped off at the Starbucks. It's inside the McCormick Center because waiting there was Bill Beer who had gotten into town a little afternoon and had gone on to the McCormick and gotten his badge. So we did that. And, of course, the will call was way in the back of the convention center. So it's, you know, you end up walking about a mile from the car to the will call and back. But we got our badges. Again, there was some kind of a manga theme on the artwork, which you didn't care for. Well, every year it's manga thing. I'm going to a comic con. It's like, can at least once they... See, for yes. me, it doesn't matter. I wear the badge for two days, then it goes in a drawer somewhere. I never see it. I'm not that concerned with what the artwork on the badge is. But, nevertheless, we left there, and then we head off to the Airbnb, because it's getting close to 3 o'clock. A little bit of an ordeal getting in. Well, yeah, they give me the code because they're not going to give me the code until about like 30 minutes before it has to open. So we punch something in, it doesn't work. So then Bill and I see this other lock, I guess, where they had the key drop from before. And we're trying to use it and it's not working. So I'm like, what the what? And so we call them and say, oh, you got to do this, this, and this. Reset the alarm. So we reset the alarm. And. Then, but then the buttons aren't working because apparently they forgot to tell us that after you reset the alarm, nothing's going to work for like five minutes. Yeah, I don't know. It was just chaos. And when we finally got in. <laughs> yes. I should mention that this particular establishment, they had a keypad entry. So we didn't have to worry about physical keys, which was nice. Yeah, that was an issue last year when you got nine people in one key. Yeah. So, and, somebody, <laughs> and somebody wants to go back to the Airbnb at before everybody else is ready, so you got to shuffle keys around. But it was nice having the keypad entry. But yeah. we, we finally got in, and oh my gosh, this place. We've upped our game every year at C2E2 by getting better and better accommodations. Well, the secret of that is doing it earlier and earlier. Right. Like the first year, it was like I think we, we figured out, we got everything like three weeks before the C2E2, and then... 
previous year, I think it was three months, and this year I booked it. I was looking like six, seven months ahead of time. Right. So that's the key. But, yeah, so last year where we had the top floor of the brownstone, this year we had the whole brownstone. So, which is pretty humorous in itself. So I'm going to kind of go out of order here. So we come into this place, and it's like, good grief, look at all this room. And then it's like, oh, we do have the upper floor. So then we go up to the second floor, and it's like, I can't find the other bedrooms. It's like, oh, that's because there's another floor. So we go up to the other floor, and it's like, holy crap. So I think, so everybody got their basically their own bed this year. You know, I took the master, which had its own I don't know. They had installed some LED, multicolored LEDs up there, so I actually turned on those at one point, and it was like, woo, trippy. Yes. Yeah, the way it was laid out was there's the main floor, living room, dining area, kitchen. The second floor had three bedrooms, the master with a king, and then two, two room bedrooms with queen-size bed. I took one of those queen-size, and Aaron got the other. And then the third floor was obviously where they made it for like a kid's room. It had one big room, but had several single beds, twin beds. and But underneath those were trundle beds, pull-out trundle beds. Yeah, but we didn't find those until three days later. <laughs> yes, because nobody thought to look at those. Well, no, 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 because I was running around later going, this place is supposed to sleep 15, and I could not figure out how that place slept 15. And it bugged it bugged me for two and a half days. So so anyway, we do all that, and then Ronnie and him show up about 15 minutes later. And then there's a discussion of about, like, should we go get our badges or should we wait? And I, we finally convinced them to go get their badges. Yes, because you well, didn't want to wait until Friday morning because the line was going to be – and we were warned about that, that the line for the will call was going to be bad. So anyway, yeah, Ronnie, Bill, Donnie, and Brad, they went all up and got beds on the third floor. Yeah. Oh, but you got to mention before this, before even all this, we'd heard that uh, Aaron's flight had got canceled. Yes, Aaron had quite a adventure getting there. Yes, his flight got canceled. He originally said they canceled it because of wind, and I'm like, wind? It has to be a pretty damn yeah, but windstorm. But the flight 45 minutes before his and 45 minutes after his flight wasn't canceled. Right. I couldn't so, understand that. I told him I think his wife had something to do with it. She didn't want him to go, so she had his flight canceled. But <laughs> So, yeah, all that's going on in the background about him getting there and everything like that. So, you know, and then Travis is getting in later, and Dewan wasn't getting in until the next morning, which I still don't ever understand. I don't understand either. But that's the way Dewan rolls. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, so we're just... <clears throat> figuring out the TV. Oh, the, actually, Bill put on uh, The Dark Knight Rises, so we ended up watching that for two hours. <laughs> right. Because apparently, yeah, this Airbnb, they had it hooked up to Netflix and all these other things, too. So it actually worked out a lot better than last year's. Last year's, all that, the Internet and everything was kind of crappy and all that. didn't really work well. This one, everything worked great. It was beautiful. So we did that, and then we got the, what, the, the text about 4 o'clock, like, we're going to go eat pizza. Want to go eat pizza? And that's when I gave you the look. Yes. Yeah, Ronnie, Donnie, Brad went off to get their badges at the will call. And, yeah, they just, well, they hadn't eaten on the train. You and I had see, stopped. Well, see, that's the part I didn't understand because it's only been like four hours since we'd eaten. And I'm like, food? Yeah, I wasn't ready at all to eat. But they went ahead. 
to mention, you talked about the Wi-Fi. All the appliances, everything was state-of-the-art in this place. Oh, yeah. All, yeah, all the appliances were Internet-connected, Wi-Fi-connected, the refrigerator. Not something I had ever seen, really. I was like, why do you, why do you need a Wi-Fi-connected refrigerator? So, you know, if you're out of something. <laughs> yeah, okay. But then what's funny, because we had been there, gosh, two and a half, going on three hours, and finally somebody decides to go downstairs and look at the basement. <laughs> There's a fourth floor that's completely furnished down there in the basement that we knew nothing about. Oh, yeah, the basement's completely finished out. Carpeting, a TV down there, a big sofa, a big gaming poker table, a shower down there as well. Four entire floors. It was just really lavish. Yep, so. yep, it was great. Yep, yep, and then so like I said, like uh, two days later, we discovered like the other three beds up there, and then like two and a half days, and then uh, after that, we discovered there's an attached two dar- two car garage that we didn't know anything about. Right. So we were just every day we were finding something new in this place. <laughs> but I don't think they wanted us to know about the garage because it wasn't mentioned. They didn't want us parking in there for certain, for certain, but. So yeah, yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, because then I started. Then I spent like two hours looking for the clicker. I could not find a clicker to the garage. <laughs> By now, things have settled out a little bit with Aaron, and he's taking a flight that's going to get into Chicago about eight thirty. Oh but yeah. The plans for Thursday night turned out to be Ronnie, who's good buddies with Cullen Bun. Well, Bun likes. Tiki bars. I know there's one in Kansas City that they go to when they're there for Kansas City Planet Comic Con. But he had learned about this tiki bar there in Chicago, and so that's where everybody wanted to go, or he wanted to go, and several of us ended up going, not all. Bill Bill didn't want to go, I don't think. I can't, did Donnie go? Yeah, Donnie went. So you, I, and then Travis came in by this time, so you, me, Travis, and Bill go off to the Scout to eat. Which is left over from our first year at C2E2 by the Airbnb. That that was like the bar or whatever near the first one. It's kind of like about the only place we know that's not uh, hipster in Chicago, I think. Yeah, it's a nice little sports bar. Pretty good food. Good yeah, but the wings aren't hot. No, the wings are not hot. but Can't have everything. So... The four of us go there, and from there we go on to meet the rest of the guys. Now, wait a second. By this time, you've had, what, how many gin and tonics? Not that many. Three, maybe. <laughs> four. I think, I, I think I'd had one, and but then at the Scout, I'd had two beers. And so now we're going to a tiki bar for high sugar. No, you drinks. weren't drinking beer at the Scout. You were drinking whiskey something or other. Cause you had three. Oh, oh, you're right. I was drinking whiskey. And you had three of those at the Scout. It was... Uh, Travis it was drinking beer. I didn't drink at the Scout because, like I said, I had a good at least three of those gin and tonics with the 115 proof gin. So I'm doing well at that point. So then we take off and meet about 9:15, 9:30. Meet the rest of the guys at this tiki bar. And this was this place was interesting. It's but you get dropped off on the street, but it's just in front of an office building. You have to go around the corner down the alleyway behind the building <laughs> and of course you find this back door and they've got the velvet ropes and uh, security guys standing there which everybody gets carted 
which I'm just, I'm always amused. 58 years old. I definitely look my age, but yeah, I'm putting, I'm having to fish out my driver's license. No, they got a job to do and they're going to do it. Yes, that's true. So you go in the door and you walk down this narrow hallway, about 20 feet, turn left, go down a stairway, narrow stairway. There's another door that you go into to get into the establishment. And inside, it's just like you might expect. Very dark, very tropical Polynesian decor set up everywhere. And we get led around. We go to the hostess station, and they took a minute for them to understand that we were meeting another group there. Oh, you're you're waiting. There's guys waiting for you. Yes, there are. So we go in up back in the corner, and there's... Ronnie, Donnie, Cullen. I forgot who else was there. The friend of Cullen's. I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah, I think he runs the LCS or whatever it is yeah. in Springfield that Cullen knows. They helped him set up CaveCon from last year or the year before. I can't remember yet. And, of course, they've got all these. We get the menu and the tropical drinks. <laughs> well, all right, to go back a little bit. When Ronnie first proposed that we go to this tiki bar, your comment was, that's fine, as long as we can go get some real drinks afterwards. <laughs> because they had, of course, all these exotic-sounding tropical drinks. I don't even remember all of them. I just remember the one I had, the Trader Vic Mai Tai, which was a, actually turned out to be a pretty good drink. And it was stout because it had 151-proof rum in it. Yeah, I think my first one was a Jet Fighter. Then I switched over to Cooper Libras. Right. So... And, of course, all these come in these really exotic-looking glasses, and there's paper umbrellas and lotus blossoms and all whatnot (laughs) manner of it in the drink. You have to drink it with a straw because you can't pick the thing up because of all the extraneous things that have been added to it to make it look pretty. Anyway. We we knew what we were getting into, and it was totally totally the way you were expecting. So it it was fun. It was fun. It was. And the waitresses there were quite attractive. All They all looked like young Polynesian or Hispanic women. And so over there, of course, the topic of conversation went to comics and collecting, I think. And cons and other shows and such. So. Right. And but the way this – we were sitting in kind of a circular booth, but there was another table sort of adjacent. And the way it ended up, I was kind of sitting – on one side of this table, <clears throat> I'm a little bit apart from everybody else, and I cannot hear a damn word anybody's saying. And <laughs> nobody's saying a word to me. You know, and I, I finished my drink, and I started getting feeling tired. So about, gosh, 11 o'clock, I left. I said, I'm going back to the room because I'm tired. <laughs> I think we all left about, about 45 minutes later, so. Well, Aaron was supposed to show up. I think he did finally show oh, up. Oh, yeah, no, no, Aaron did show up. He did show up. So, yeah, he got there, and I went back to the room, and I'm just up in my room reading when all you guys showed up. But I think you end up mixing some more drinks afterwards. Oh, yeah. I know that Travis got absolutely hammered Thursday night. He was... Uh, He's the youngest of the bunch. He can handle it. Yes. So, I end up going to bed, gosh, midnight, 1 o'clock, between midnight and 1 o'clock Thursday night, so... 
So by this time, everybody's in town except Dewan. We're still waiting for Dewan, who's scheduled to get to Chicago like 6.30, some ungodly hour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, this means you have to get up at an ungodly hour to catch a plane to get there at 6.30 in Chicago time. So right. anyway, so now now we've, I don't know, we've spent all this time describing the time up to C2E2. Now I guess we need to get into C2E2. Yes, well, we've got one more little side note. We get up Thursday morning, get ready, and Dewan finally gets there. I guess he got to the B&B something like 6.30. After waking me up by Discord message, which kind of about 5.30. he <laughs> sends a message, you know, wake up, guys. I'm on the plane. And I had my phone, and my phone had it set up, and I should have turned it off. It, yeah, that's it your dings, own fault there. It, it, Makes a tone whenever I get a Discord message. So yeah, this thing goes off about 5.30 and wakes me up and I'm like, son of a... Anyway, he gets there, we all get ready, and we're looking for a place to break, we're looking for a place for breakfast. And I start searching around and I think, hey, there's a McDonald's. Just two, two and a half blocks south of us here. We can walk down there, grab some breakfast, and then head off to the con. Turns out to me that was a mistake. Um, no, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't a mistake. It was, it was an interesting experience because the area where this brownstone is is part of the Chicago that's becoming somewhat gentrified. But we learned that that border for the gentrification came to an end just right south of where we were staying. It's Friday morning, about 7.30, 8 o'clock. The place is crowded because people are on their way to work trying to get something to eat. The drive-through is backed up. Now you also got to you also got to recall it's like Aaron has already been at McCormick Place for like two hours already with this badge going. Where are you guys? You don't know how to con. Oh yeah, Aaron's livid that we aren't all there at the moment at, at eight o'clock. It, I'm like, and to hell with that. I've got my badge and I'm not getting there and stand just to stand in line for two hours. So yeah, he's he's blowing up Discord with complaining. When we get to this McDonald's crowded, it's one of the newer McDonald's that has the order kiosks where you go up and punch in and you can get a little tent number and they bring it to your table. So we're sitting there waiting for our food. Some people started getting theirs. And then there's this woman up near the counter who just starts yelling and screaming and she's holding her phone up to her face but not you know right up to her face she's just kind of holding it right in front of her face and she's yelling and screaming and can't really make out a lot of what she's saying other than occasionally say wants her money back something or other yeah but we can't tell if she's yelling at somebody at mcdonald's or yelling to somebody on the phone i think she was doing both <laughs> uh-huh. anyway they did have a security guy in there who's kept inching his way over getting closer to her and you can see he had a pair of handcuffs on clipped to the back of his belt so we're thinking okay this is about to go down well finally she leaves and walks out walks through the store out to the entrance but right before she turned goes out she turns around and just yells at the cross the whole shop i'm gonna get in my lexus and go to the next mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we leave there, walk down the block a little bit. To, to we, or no, we ended up going back to the dam, all, walking all the way back to the Airbnb to get an Uber. Which I don't understand why we did that. 
Um, just roll with it. It was just this felt right at the time. I guess it's like why do we have to go three blocks back to catch a Uber or Lyft when they're right here? But that's what we did. So we catch, and then we we're off to the con. We get there nine thirty ish. You guys take off. I'm getting into that coat check because I had my heavy coat on, and I'm like, I'm not wearing this around the con all day. Yeah, I looked at the line. It's like, screw that. I'll come back to coat check later. <laughs> it's like, I got to get in because I got a mission. Yes, you were. Yeah, your mission was immediately to get to Terry Moore's booth because you had intended on buying all 40 sketches that he brought to the, to the con. <laughs> that was your. <laughs> then I saw the prices and it's like, I think I'll just buy one. <laughs> So yeah, I go to the coat check, which wasn't bad. It was 15 minute wait at most. So, but yeah, I go off and I catch up with you guys later. But talk about your Terry Moore experience. Yeah, so I'm so Terry Moore. He always does a bunch of sketches that he puts on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Before you know, I'm bringing these to the show and I'm going to be selling them at the booth, right? And some of them are very intricate, and some of them are like, ooh, everybody wants them, so. You know, you just want to get there early so you can have a larger selection to choose from. And so I'm like, we go up there and then we get into the, the press entrance, which is, I forget who told us about it, but we try it. I mean, it's like, usually we end up having to go through the end of the line, get in line with everybody and go through, but we get the press badges because, you know, we do podcasting and such and we talk to people and things. So anyway, so we go up there and we go press pass and they go, oh yeah, you can just come in here. And I'm like, Okay, so I'll come in there, and it's like I'm trying to figure out what everybody's doing because I want to bolt. And it's like nobody can make a decision, so it's like, okay, screw you guys. I'm off. And so I get there. So the one piece I was really wanting, when I get up to Terry Moore's booth, the guy's paying for it right when I get up. I'm like, son of a. So I get in line. There's somebody in front of me. They're looking through it and everything. And He picks something, and he's like, I think he's one of the exhibitors. So I guess the dealers got to go in line first and go through stuff because there were several in there that I was looking for that weren't there. So, you know, the dealers trade and get first. So it is what it is and everything like that. So I get in line. So he's kind of flipping through them and he's just lazily talking to Terry and his wife. I'm just standing there just waiting in line. Just one that's like, I want to look at it. He's, he's looking at stuff and commenting. Oh, I wish I could afford that. Oh, I wish I could afford that. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, okay, you can't afford it. Move through. If you can't afford anything in there, get through it. Go over there and chat while I go through it. You know, I'm a little impatient, but, you know, I'm next. And then then all of a sudden there start other people start coming up. And I don't know. Do you ever get the feeling in Artist Alley nobody knows how to line up? <laughs> Not just Artist Alley. I'm just everything in life nobody knows how to line up. Nobody, everybody needs to take a class in queuing theory. Right? So... So I'm actually there in front of the booth, and you got people doing the side and the side and everything like that, and it's just almost being like more of a little crowd than actual line. So the guy finally picks something, right, and he puts the book there, and then somebody that had walked up like a couple of minutes before me starts getting the book and flipping through it, and I kind of give him that look, and you know the look. It's like, what the what? And he looks at me, and it's like, oh, were you here first? And it's like, well, you saw me when you walked up, so apparently I was here first. I didn't say that. I thought it. I'm like, yes, I was waiting in line to look through that. He says, oh, okay, here you go. Because you knew he was like really disappointed because now there's somebody in front of him that's going to get something of his. Which takes me back to like two years ago when DeWine and I were waiting in Matt Kent's line and we got the last of his exclusives. And you could just see the dejection in everybody behind us when they were like, oh, crap, they got the last one. So anyway, there's another situation like that. So flip through, 
you know, we're kind of sitting there. The guy's still chatting with Terry. I don't know if he really knew him or not. Or they were just, it, you know, Terry's just such a nicest guy. He'll talk to anybody for as long as he's up there. So, so anyway, so I fit there. I find my thing I want. I pull it out. Hey, this is what I want. Pay for it. And he's just, he's like, oh, thank you so much for buying that. Thank you, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you for doing this. And it's like, I rest to get here and everything like that. And he's just, he's thanking me. I'm thanking him. You know, it's one of those things that goes on for about like five minutes. So, but it's all good. And then I got a sketchbook. And then you had everybody else come into line. And about that time comes up that woman who I'm sure Jay has an opinion on. Uh, she like goes up there and starts wanting to go through the book, but oh, actually no, that was later. I'm sorry, that's not at this occasion. So anyway, I get it. But here I am. I've got a sketch now. It's like I brought a tube to and some newspaper to roll it in, but I'm kind of like, ugh, this isn't gonna work. So then you begin the frantic search in the con for, oh, I didn't bring a portfolio or something. Where can I get something to put this in? But you know, dealers at cons. They're smart. They know how to set themselves up because right Kenny corner from him, from Terry, is this guy that's got a booth set up and all he is selling is supplies to put stuff in. You can put comics in, you can put art in, you know, the like a top loader for art and things like that. So you go over there, you pay the five bucks, get it, boom, in, done. So at that point, I had probably spent most of my budget for C2E2. <laughs> <laughs> But I already had my comments, and now I had my art, my sketch from Terry Moore. So that was the main thing I wanted to do. So at this point, now it's like, where'd everybody else go? Yes, and that's always that's always the thing when we get there is we arrive on mass, and then we get inside, and just everybody goes in all different directions. Which is not too bad. I know what I think I did then. At that point, when I went to because last year I spent most of the con at Anthony's original arts booth. And I decided this year I was not going to do that. But I did go by there because there was something I was going to check on to see if they still had. So I started going through some stuff, and I did find something for Jay. I didn't find anything for myself, and after that point, I left and never went back because I just didn't want to spend hours on there when there was so much other to see. So I think my main goal was there to go find Jay, and it's like, hey, come take a look at this. Yes. And what you had found was a sketch by Gilbert Hernandez. It's a little small sketch of one of the characters from, I don't know if it, I don't, it wasn't Luba, but it was one of the characters from his Palomar stories. Very small. It was like six by eight, six inches by eight inches. Very simple. And they wanted $125 for it. And I looked at it and I'm thinking, maybe, I don't know. I like it. I'm not sure I like it. $125 worth. So I put it back and I take off to consider other things. Well, that's when I go over to Artist Alley and I, I go to Terry's booth because I'm curious to see what he's still got. And he's already, I mean, it's not even noon yet on Friday and he's already sold a number of his sketches. Which is why you have to get there first thing in the morning. Yes. Well, I was thinking about buying a sketch if I saw one at a reasonable price, but I wasn't going to spend a lot of money on sketches or original art this year. So I pick up the book, you know, he's got this portfolio with all of his sketches. And I'm flipping through, and that's when this woman comes up. And I've got the book in my hand. I'm flipping through this. And she points, I flip over to one page, and she points at the sketch and says to Terry, that's the one I'm getting. 
and that really... It rubbed you the wrong way. Oh, well, hell yes, because I've got the book. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to make my choice. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you might take this one if I don't get it. And I damn near thought about buying it just to be an ass. But it's like, no, you don't do that. You don't just come up and say, I'm, that's the one I'm taking. Well, anyway, I got through. I decided there was none there that I really... There was one I did want, but it was over $400, and I wasn't quite ready to spend that. But So I put that back, and I chatted with Terry a little bit. But yeah, this woman, we found out later, oh my gosh, this woman brought every, she has copies of every issue, not the collected editions, single issue of all of Terry Moore's work. And it's, it's not only his own stuff, it's his DC stuff, his Image stuff, his... I don't know if he did any Marvel or not. Oh, yeah, he did. He did some Marvel. Um, but I didn't know that. I think she, But just as... If you just look at Strangers in Paradise, Echo, Rachel Rising, Motor Girl, and Strangers in Paradise 25, just those works themselves, that's right at about 200 issues. Without variance, but I don't think he really does variance. Uh, he did some gold, but anyway, this woman she brings in a suitcase full of these books, and it turns out to be <laughs> one of three. One of three, because Terry Terry is a inveterate uh, tweeter. If you don't follow Terry more, you really ought to, because he's damn funny on Twitter. Even if you don't really care for his work, he's funny to to read because he comes up with amusing stuff. So yeah, this woman has at least 200 books, probably more, if it's three suitcases. And she wants him to sign every one of them. Which, I don't know, in my opinion, that borders on just damn rude. To come up to a con where he's busy with all kinds of people and to want him to sign 200 of your books. And of course, Terry being the nicest guy on the planet, you know, he does it without any problem at all. He was quite flattered by it. And I can understand that, but man, that's just, that's just, I've never seen anything like that at the con. Somebody that wants to monopolize, and she did, she sat down right there on the floor, right next to his booth. <laughs> and she was there for most of the day that day. Yeah. Every time I went by, she, he was, she was still sitting there handing him books to sign. So, I don't know, maybe I'm just being too much of a crotchety old man, but I just didn't. That just strikes me as taking advantage of a person to do that. But Terry, he didn't mind. But also along Terry Moore, one of the shocks of the weekend is that later I'm walking around with Aaron. And we go by Terry's booth. And Aaron has always made a point of talking about he doesn't really care for Terry Moore. Doesn't like his style of his artwork. And that's fine. It's personal opinion. But... We go back over there, and they're standing there, and Aaron just all of a sudden turns to me and goes, if you were going to buy one of these books, one of his works, which would you do? And I said, oh, without hesitation, uh, Motor Girl. That is one you would really enjoy, and that's one of his best, if not his best thing he's done. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, Terry's wife, Robin, I believe it is, her name is, she chimes in and goes, yes, I think... To me, this is my favorite thing he's ever done. So Aaron ends up buying the Motor Girl hardcover omnibus, which, like I say, shocked me. Shocks Ronnie as well when he found out. We ended up going 
through most of Artist Alley. Um, <laughs> oh, then, yeah, there was a, a long search to try to find the Valiant booth. <laughs> Which, yeah. They were sharing a booth with... Who was it? I don't know. can't remember the name of it. Custom Minis? Custom Minis. It does these yeah miniature little figurines. And, of course, you go. we found that booth, and that's all that's there. Aaron saw, he said he saw a box underneath the table at the back that was full of, it looked like it was full of Valiant Gold books. But there was nobody from Valiant there at the booth at the time. So that was one thing we spent a lot of time and became a running joke. I'm trying to remember anything else specifically that happened that day. Nah, I mean, it was pretty low key after, you know, after the morning, because then it was like we knew Friday was the day. When the crowds, well, we did have that ongoing discussion if we thought that the crowds were down at C2E2 doing it to be in February and coronavirus. Right. But it did, I don't know. So there was that, but it is mostly, I don't even really think, uh, I looked in a few long boxes, but that day was kind of, um, looking, um, just around and everything and, Right. I'm seeing what was out there. Yeah. I did go back and buy the Gilbert Hernandez sketch. I decided I can't not get it. I don't have anything by him specifically. And it doesn't, artwork by them does not show up out in the wild very often. At least not in Chicago or around here. I guess in California, southwest part of the United States, it's more able to find. So I'm going to bought that. And I, when I did buy a Gilbert Hernandez hardcover, from the comic book legal defense fund booth, which I paid more for it than cover because the difference goes to a donation for them, which I do support them. Oh, Bill. And then Bill t- messaged me. He had found another Batman 457. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. I now have acquired a Batman 457 second print newsstand because you acquired another copy of it that you had found, which was a yep. 9.0 or 9.2. No, not 9.2. 9.2. And the one you've got, the one you had was a 7.0. Yep, so I upgraded. So you upgraded, and you sold me the 7.0 for the reasonable price of $8,000. <laughs> I've got that now, so that's one of my grail items. But he had found another copy I'm trying to get all six of the variation, and I had three, and then the second newsprint that you, second print newsstand that you, was made four that I had. So I had, those Those are two things I had on my wish list, was I needed the Batman 457 first print direct edition without the Indicia error, and I needed the first print newsstand with no with the indicia error and he had found one and i had gone up i'd actually gone up because i was going to go to a panel so i was up on the fifth level which is the show's on the level four and bill messaged me with a picture goes hey i found one of these do you want to come look at it i said yes i want to come so i make my way all the way back downstairs all the way across the floor to find this and it's a nice copy, and it's a uh, 
it's a first print newsstand. Well, I asked the guy, can I look, you know, if I look inside of it. He goes, sure, go ahead, open it up. And I open it up, and it did have the Indicia era. So it was one I wanted. So now I have five of the six variations. So I just need one more, and I've got the entire. It's not a series, because it, it was not intentionally done, but anyway. I've got five of the six of those variations of that book. Well, your sixth one should be easy to find. Yeah, should be. I just haven't come across it yet. Anyway. So so we left. I left about four o'clock, a little after. I don't know if you stayed longer. I can't remember. Eh, I don't think I didn't stay too much longer, but, you know, the rest of us just pretty standard con stuff. Just, you know, I think... uh, Oh, we had the Valiant guys come by the uh, the Airbnb that night, and we saw some, you know, they showed us some stuff, and, you know, because of, you know, all the Valiant Central and other Valiant, and I guess Valiant's how we all even got together originally in the first place, so they kind of know who most of us are and everything, so they came by to talk to us and show us some stuff and let us ask questions and things like that, Uh and then the next day was mostly con when it was crowded. Uh, I think I dug a few more. Th- I went that day's when I went and got a few exclusives. So I went to the Marvel booth, got a few exclusive things, uh, and a few other booths. I went by. Oh, I did get a by Merca and Dolfo's in Artist Alley. Went and got one of her sketchbooks, and she did a sketch for me at a very reasonable price, like twenty five dollars for a sketch, and she did. Really great on that, and so she's—I think she's just going to get even more popular, and so her fees are going to go up in the in the future. So um, I don't even really know if I went anywhere else. Anyway, we went by and talked to uh, David Pipos one day. Yeah, that might—that might have been Friday. I think it was. I think it was. So actually, we ended up spending—I ended up spending most of the day over in Artist Alley in that area. Yeah, I did too. I didn't. I looked a little bit at original art, but not nearly as much as I did last year. <laughs> Me either. Um, we went to one panel that was on Saturday, the Valiant Bloodshot panel. Yeah, the Valiant one Bloodshot one hundred one panel, which was interesting. Uh, they've got yep. some interesting things coming out. Uh, don't remember anything else specifically. Oh, Friday we did see Bill Bomer. Who sat over and came with us? Sat probably had lunch. Bill yep. of the Geek Brunch podcasts with Mike Myers. Um, I can't think of anybody else that we saw really of people that we don't normally see much. But so yeah, the rest of the day Saturday was just con stuff. Went to the um, Valiant panel. I think ended up leaving about five, and then Saturday night we're just kind of hanging around, drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Oh, a few of us, several of us went to the Scout again for dinner. Well, that's because Ronnie wanted to eat more pizza from the previous night. Yeah, oh, that pizza. Uh, that pizza was... I mean, it was fine. It was fine, but, okay, a lot of Chicago pizza, even though it's deep dish, the crust is not always that thick. This had a thick crust, like half inch thick. And all Then all the stuff on top, it was like... Eating a slice of that was like eating a brick. <laughs> and you had two <laughs> slices on Friday night, and you paid for it, too. Yeah, I wasn't feeling too good halfway through my second slice, and I had to stop. So, 
anyway, so Saturday night was just, you know, drinking, horsing around, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the rest of the con was just typically, I don't think anything unusual popped up, other than it's like, hey, we found the rest of the beds, and we yeah. found the, the attached two-car garage. And then you and I got up Sunday morning and drove back to St. Louis. Found out, heard the story of the wives' weekend, which they had a pretty nice weekend. Went to the museum, the botanical gardens, had a spa day, and I don't remember. Somebody you said they shouldn't have, should have been crowded, but what, the boathouse or oh yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, and then of course Pam and I flew out back to Dallas Sunday night about eight o'clock. Oh my gosh, that was the best flight ever. There was only thirty-five people. There was the thirty-three flight. people on this aircraft coming back from St. Louis. Seven thirty-seven. Designed for 175 passengers, and there were 33 of us on there. It's like I got Pam and I were sitting on aisle seats across from each other, but there was nobody on our row. Um, you could spread out. It's funny because they had to, they did have to arrange us a little bit because they said you can't all sit in the first 10 rows. So they had to have for weight distribution. They had to make sure that there was people sitting in the front section, the middle section, and a few in the back. But yeah, it was great. I mean, it was. Just, I've never had so much leg room on a flight. Oh yeah, and that's when it got warm because our drive back on Sunday, I think it got up in the sixty something degrees. Yes, yeah, it was. It was well in the sixties, mid, mid to upper sixties by the time we got back to St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, and Aaron bought a bunch of hard covers and was having to figure out how to lug those back to New York or to Hoboken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bought because that's all he does. He buys digital. He reads. Most of his stuff digitally, but then he buys hardcover collections. And he, yeah, oh yeah, he ended up going back or somewhere. He found another Terry Moore book. He found the Rachel Rising hardcover omnibus for thirty-seven dollars. Thirty-seven dollars. That's about a third of what you can buy it off of either Terry's website or Amazon. Well, I think it's out of print. So I, I don't think you can buy it off Terry's website anymore. I, I think it's out of print. I don't know. Maybe it's it. Maybe it is. Anyway, he found that for a damn good deal, and then went and had it signed. So uh, now I'm 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 encouraged. We've gotten Aaron to appreciate Terry more. Now my goal is to try to get him to read Love and Rockets. Get him into that. Because so. <laughs> I'm always looking for converts to the Love and Rockets. There you go. So. So that's the story of C2E2 2020. Yeah, I guess we front-loaded that. With the, it was, the whole adventure was actually getting there and everything leading up to C2E2 and then the first morning. And then after that, it just went to a regular con, nothing spectacular. Oh, well, yeah, which is kind of the way we planned it. Because, yeah, we definitely wanted Calbunga to be more of a factor this year. And I'm glad we did. It, it was yeah. worked out well. Yeah, and, you know, I do think the crowds were kind of down this year. Even Saturday, they really didn't seem that bad. They were. Bill Bomer said he thought they were about the same, but I don't 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 agree. I could get around on Saturday. I at no one point on Saturday was I felt like I was stuck and people were in my way and I couldn't get to where I wanted to go. Right. And the previous two years, I know that's not been the case. It's been just yeah, shoulder to shoulder. So, so I don't know. I thought it was a great artist alley this year. I spent more time there and everything. I looked at the booths. Um, I don't know. A lot of people had stuff on their walls, or they were pricing their books even in their long boxes. Either they were, you had to pull them out, and they'd look it up on eBay and get prices or whatever. So I just didn't see any deals to be done buying books. No, not many. 
And oh, Sean Murphy was there. He's one of my favorite artists. And I had intended to take my hard copy of Punk Rock Jesus up there. But then I found out that he's going to be here in Dallas at Fan Expo the last weekend of March. So I decided not to schlep that all the way to Chicago to just go here. But now I'm being concerned because of this damn coronavirus. They already postponed Emerald City this weekend to later in the summer. I've heard rumors that DC is encouraging, is asking, telling their artists not to go to cons. So I don't even know if there will even be a con here in a couple weeks. I know Ronnie's wondering if they're even going to have Planet Comic Con here up in a couple of weeks. So who knows? Who knows? Well, and then, um, I don't know. And his line was always long. It was. Also, so. But anyway, we'll see. I may get that. Anything, anything else you wanted to talk about? No, no, no. I think we kind of went just a little heavy on personal experiences this episode, but everybody seems to kind of enjoy, mm. you know, people enjoy, you know, what they think of cons and everything like that. I still like C2E2. They've moved it next year. It's in early, not early, it's in late March. Last so, weekend of March, like 26th through the 29th. So that'll probably conflict with some other cons, but it'll be warmer. There may be tornadoes at that point. I don't know. But I think we got to, if we're going to do it again, I think we got our Airbnb set. <laughs> yes. I think we do. Yeah, we had talked about some noise about going to Heroes instead, Heroes Con, but I don't know. Well, I could just do both. Well, we could. Chicago just seems to be a good location. It's kind of central to a lot of people. Well, you get the West Coast people, you can get the East Coast, the Midwest, so it is convenient from that standpoint. So, anyway, to be determined what all we do next year. All right, well, you've been listening to Best of the Rest, C2E2 Recap. If you'd like to tweet the show, we're at B-O-T-R Comics. You can tweet me directly at Jay Forgets. And I'm at UT Engineer. We will see you next time.